Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Podcast. The only one that's making your money is you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 298 of the Bitcoin Podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's my macho man. If macho man were into crypto, oh, yeah, Bitcoin, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm the host that talks first, D. I am a guest host that talks second in place of Corey Petty. My name is Andy Boyan, Dr. Andy Boyan. Nice to be here, D. Hey, welcome, man. Corey's in uh Corey's in Paris. Paris. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Le crypto. Mm-hmm. You know if, if like if life were beauty and the beast, Corey would be that little candle dude. Like of course I'd Le be mire. the beast. But he'd definitely be a little bit get dressed for the fucking dance ball. Ugh. Anyways, uh, I like to make fun of Corey when he's not around because I get and mad I when he, he I get mad when he makes fun of me when I'm not around. So it's not fair. And I, I like do they say do they say Letherion? Um, like the L apostrophe Letherion Letherion or- yeah. They got to, right? If you're French, how do you say Ethereum? Ethereum? Sorry. No, they say F. I'm pretty oh, sure they, they do. do say F. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, the one Parisian guy I know that is in <laughs> ETH, uh, that's what he says, F. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know that many French crypto dudes. It just probably just sounds like they're they making another French noise. ETH. Mm. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> making, yeah. Sorry to French people Tron. everywhere. Um, Sorry for making fun of how you talk. Not sorry for your dressing because your dressing is disgusting. And I don't know how anyone eats that shit. I don't think that's actually French. Yeah. I think that's probably English food that they're saying, no, that's, that's French. It's so gross. We know it, but we invented it. Totally. French. English people, they make gross food. Is that good? Okay, so. Um, yeah, this is Anyways, Corey's podcast. in Paris. Yeah, Corey's in Paris. And Andy stepped in. If you don't know Andy, then you probably should join the Slack. So go to www. Uh, sorry, I I missed the first part. Https colon forward slash four. No I'm kidding. Go to the Bitcoin and there's a button at the top that'll say Slack. When you push that, you'll see some directions. If you can't follow those directions, we don't even want you in the Slack. Uh, I'm sorry. That's rude. Uh, we still do. We still do. Yeah, <laughs> we, we like people you. in the Slack. We want you in the Slack. <laughs> 
and uh, you'll see Andy, and we talk daily in the Slack. Um, I don't know how do we sell the Slack. The Slack is like where crypto power users hang out. There's some OGs in there for from back when Satoshi was still talking. Um, there's a lot of programmers yeah. in there. I'm in you there. Know, all of the social, like the Telegram channels and the Slack channels that are under the radar um, in crypto, that's where it's at. That's where it's really happening. And it's all over the place. So our, our Slack is one. It's fantastic. But there's Telegram channels that um, you, you wouldn't guess by the title. They're just like drop knowledge, brilliant people. Um, Discord, too, is because it's a little more permissioned like Slack. Just a ton of that that actually happens. I feel like in 2017, there was so much hype and so much scammers like out. And there's still a lot of scammers, especially in Telegram, that that kind of died down a little bit. But really, that's where it happens. Like, that's where the developers hang out and talk is in these channels. And you'll find a secret one once in a while and pop it open like, what does this mean? And then, you know, it's got some random, you know, protocol level title. And you'll head in there and there's this insane discussion about token economics and new projects and like, all this stuff. So yeah. That's where it's, there's a lot of that still happening. It's really cool, man. Um, that's how I found out about handshakes. That's how I found out about basic attention token. It's that, you know, you just, you kind of figure out who the hell knows what they're talking about and then uh, join one of their groups. And we tend to think we know what the hell we're talking about. At least we know that we don't know what the hell we're talking about. So that's a good <laughs> first step. So anyway, but there's enough of us together that that in the Slack where people correct each other. So yeah, got some of the OGs in there. Cumulative people with the real knowledge. jobs. There's a consensus, if you will, around what you is know, right and what is wrong. I'm going to make a plug for the Slack. If, if you want to get into crypto as an industry, like if you want to work in crypto, that's how you start doing. Is it? Is you join the Slacks, you join the Discords, and you you meet the people and talk. That that's how I did it. Is I didn't know anything and I didn't know anybody. So I started listening to random podcasts and I found this one mm-hmm. and then, oh, there's a Slack. Let me go talk to these guys. And then there's this group of people in there. They're traders, they're developers, they're security experts. They're, you know, all over the board. There's, you know, just dorks like me who came in as, as hobbyists um, and, and you start meeting people. And then, oh, I picked up a, a gig here and there. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, now i got a halftime gig somewhere. And now, you know, I'm working, I'm making money in crypto working for companies and so like that's it's real the, yeah. the story is real join the slack and yeah you should out. write the book on it man how to how to how to hustle and uh, portray your skills within the crypto economy crypto uh what's the word i look for Crypt, crypto economic i'm i'm, I'm losing my uh, words no no how about hustle coin yeah that's yeah. a great title there we go hustle, hustle coin. coin that sounds like something <laughs> dj Khaled. Um, so if we, uh, wanted to talk about some crypto today, the most obvious thing to discuss is that once here it is a Negro Dama strikes again and the market has taken a tumble. But the reason I said that is because the market took a tumble in a very, very highly correlated way with the global traditional markets, which right now are, are taking a rumble and tumble, but uh, a dump. To, yeah, they are shitting, and uh, and it's uh, and it's rough for me. It's like twenty percent drops for some of my chosen stocks. I'm not too happy about that, but um, I like tech stocks, so obviously I'm kind of getting banged around. Um, well, everybody's getting around. banged around. So, yeah. You know what, what's wild about this latest 
thing is, you know, it's coronavirus fears they're saying, but that, but that doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, I guess if it's fears over the performance of stocks and and global markets for the next three to six to 12 months, that's like the common knowledge. Of course, there's the uh, more extreme analysts uh, out there on, on conspiracy Twitter that are like, well, it's over. It was a nice run. I'm not that bearish. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but, you know, if the markets are suppressed for a year or six months, then this is just speculating on that. So it's people essentially shorting now. That doesn't mean like productivity totally dies necessarily. So it's like this shock reaction um, in the markets. And, And I think it's really interesting that, you know, Bitcoin especially just went right along with it. Totally yeah. correlated. Like, oh, yep, I'm just like Tesla. I'm just like those stuff. So the reason I said that I struck again is because at least for two years now, I've been preaching to Corey. And he's always, Corey hates that I say things from sheer gut and observational research, like observational empirical data. He's like, where's your charts, bro? I need charts. What's that little meme like? Look at this graph, the little, (laughs) show me numbers, bro. I want to see confident intervals. And I'm like, no, I'm not an undergrad, bro. That's not going to happen. I'm not doing that. Like, and you don't pay me enough to do that. So (laughs) I was just like, look, man, what, what happened at the end of 2017 is Wall Street, like, was like, okay, this thing isn't going away. It's going to continue to gain value. Let's go ahead and hijack it. And that's what they did. So, like, they started buying a shit ton and they crashed the shit out of crypto to get their, like, foundational level in. They crashed that shit all the way from 20 to 30. Or, sorry, 20 to 3,000. Not 30. Obviously, that's not a crash. Right? Make it look just like a typical Bitcoin crash. But now who owns the value has changed hands. And uh, it's no mystery that Wall Street's in Bitcoin. It's no mystery they're in crypto. And now they, the market is doing what they want it to do. And it's going to so, do that. So I'm, I'm a little with Corey when I'm at, when, for the conspiracy thing. Like, Wall Street got in and tanked the price. I, I don't know if I'd buy that. Sure, maybe. But, like, I don't know. I'm going to need a little more evidence for that. But regardless okay. of that, what, after that, once the price was, was there, you know, we, we've had discussions a lot about, well, now the opportunity is there for family offices, for big institutional players to get in and get in. They have. And, and, and what this crash really shows is that. So when you allocate money to a trading desk at a major firm, at, at, at a big bank or a trading firm, they're given this pool of capital that they can trade with. And, and they do so on kind of a like prescribed basis. Like there, there's a template they got to follow. For the most part, here's what you do in this situation. And when the markets start to tank, the stock markets start to tank, right? You have to hedge your bets. You have to sell now so you don't lose too much just in case. It's part of a hedging strategy. And these desks that are now in these major firms that are acting, that are working with crypto are treating that crypto just like its other stocks. So so that's why we're seeing that correlation, I think. And if they have a big enough, um, you know, bucket of cat or bucket of crypto, then that's why we see the market. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I think. Is that they're just so it, it, it goes to your point. Yes, there's institutional investors in, and they're treating crypto like they're treating tech stocks, mm-hmm. and, and that's compounded with right miners and other big major um, crypto holding organizations and hedge funds. 
they're doing their financial management as well. And that hedging strategy comes in too. Man. So it, it's part of the maturity of the market. You're on Corey's side of the fence and my side. You're standing in the gate opening. Of course. Oh, I'm Mr. Compromise. And my side. I'm Mr. Compromise. Let, r- riddle me this, Batman. What happened two to three months before the all time highs of 2017? Uh, I, I don't remember, man. I started listening. I, I, I got into crypto. <laughs> like, I started paying attention. Of that, course, that you don't, entry. Batman. That's how the riddle is that how the Riddler talks? Yeah, I, I think that's what I, Hold on. Before I go into this bullshit to try and prove that I'm Negro Damas sometimes, uh, how fucking annoyed are you if, if you're Batman? You're like, because you set out on this great, like, look, like, this is, this shit is fucking bananas. I'm going to wear a suit and I'm going to fucking beat people's asses that are trying to rob people in the streets. And, like, if anybody's trying to, like, I don't know, like, mafias, I'm going to give them a taste of their own medicine in a bat suit. This shit is crazy. No one's ever going to fucking do... Who? There's a guy in a bright green suit calling himself the Riddler? Speeding through town? Telling everybody jokes? What the fuck, man? I thought I was the crazy one. I thought I was the one that did the crazy shit. I'd be pissed if I were Batman. Because, like, he gets one-upped by people and that just continues the anger. But anyways, it's validation, right? Like, you, like you go into a crypto Slack, and you're like, I'm the crazy one who's like buying up Bitcoin. Nobody else I know is. And then you join a Slack, and you're like, Oh, everybody. Oh, all right. Here's my yeah. people. That's a that's a bad message. He's just fighting them. Maybe that's what crypto Twitter fighting is. It's just like validation. Everyone's Everyone thinks they're. I like. Yeah, that. everyone's thinking they're Batman. I'm gonna save the day in my crazy bat costume. Yeah. Um. Sorry, but shortly before. Two to three months before the all-time highs of 2017, Batman. Um, the CME futures opened up. And they pretty much slowly trickled in. Very shorty, shorty, short, short. So ah, then they got themselves... I don't know, I don't know got, what those are. They got themselves a big old bag of fiat. And they shorted the shit out of Bitcoin's price. And when Bitcoin's price was like, mm, I don't like those short prices. And it started tumbling, tumbling, tumbling on down to $3,000. Wall Street was like, ooh, I'm getting so much fun money. And then when it got down to $3,000, they were like, oof, let's level this puppy out and let's ride this puppy up. So if you went from 3000 to 10000 to 5000 to 10000 to 7,000, to 10,000, to 8,000, to 10,000, and you're Wall Street, and you set your levels at three, you're going to have a good year next year. You're going to have a great year. You're going to get your bonuses. It's going to be fantastic. You're loving it. Okay, okay. I buy that. But there's not... I haven't seen enough market cap yet in crypto to really justify a major play that that's the one piece that's missing for me is compared to any traditional market and equity stocks whatever um just the amount of money in there is still like oh it's a one-off desk it's the weirdos in the corner of the trading room the interns who got stuck with crypto and and it's better than the interns because they're still like you know um and harvard mba grads of uh, blue blood trading in their veins, hedge fund trading in their veins, or whatever, <laughs> um, coked out and 
uh, making millions while we're over here trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. And, uh, but, but the amount of money just isn't in there. So while, yeah, some of these guys are getting their bonuses, none of these firms are like trading on this as their mm. saving grace for the end of the year, right? It still feels experimental to me. Okay. I mean, just looking at the market cap, there's 150 billion in, in Bitcoin. It's just not that much. Like compared to what it was lot, you know, wiped out in the traditional markets globally, it's like six trillion dollars, not trillion, but it's like a massive amount yeah, of money. You're right. Six point four trillion, I think. Six point four trillion. The thing that is upsetting is like even um uh gold bugs, like I know a lot of gold bugs naturally because of Bitcoin and my life. Uh so anyways, even gold is taking a hit. Silver is taking a hit. Like everything is jiggity jiggity dropping. And I, I guess it's because the coronavirus. I guess so. So um wear uh wash your hands, you dirty motherfuckers. And like I don't know, that's that's all I got. Wash your hands and uh oh shit. Corey's over there with all that shit. I need Don't worry, it's over here too. Wash your that's hands. That that's it. Yeah. Wash your hands and you know, be careful. And if you Teach start your kids, getting sick, you got kids. Yeah. You know, drink a lot of water. Stay um, in. You know. Uh, I could teach you how to make some egg, homemade egg drop soup. I can make that now. It's pretty dip, pretty dope, actually. Um, very good. So what else is you want to talk? It's not just price. Like price is gonna price out. We always know that. That's why we typically try to shy away from talking price. But there's some other little things going on crypto. Maybe we can dibble dabble on before we slide to the interview. You know, there's a lot of building going on still. So that's one of the things I've been impressed with. Um, just paying attention in some of these slacks and discords is how much shipping is happening in the past six months, three months. So in my view, I came in in 2017 and I saw these incredible raises and these incredible promises and then a huge tank in crypto winter and layoffs across the board in Ethereum and, you know, just tons of stuff, um, you know, people dropping out of EOS and these major projects. But then now in the past few months, projects are shipping. There's real products coming. Um, you know, Status has the V1 app, of course. There's a ton of DeFi that works and, and we're still figuring out the hiccups in, in those. Like, it feels like every week something new comes out and, and they're saying, remember that money we raised? Look, mm-hmm. we did it and we, we made the thing. Um, you know, Protocol improvements for Ethereum, at least, while they're slow, they're still happening. You know, Bitcoin transaction speeds have, uh, have increased. Like, I'm really excited about the actual development that's gone on um, in, in the past couple of years. And we're starting to see the fruits of that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I'm excited about is is, is seeing these final products. And, and some of them aren't all the way crypto. You know what I mean? Like um, we I interviewed someone recently on Block Channel. Well, that's just a plug for Block Channel, my other show, which people don't know I originated that show. People don't know a lot of stuff. I'm like the like Jimmy Levine of crypto podcasts. Like, just kind of like hanging in the background. But um, yeah, Mackie and I originated that show after we invited Mackie on ours. And I was like, dude, you got to you got to let the people know what's going on in your brain. And then it became Block Channel. And um, we interviewed a guy who makes Audius, um, Audius.co. It's like a it's basically like um, 
Spotify for independent musicians or SoundCloud for independent musicians, and it's decentralized, so those musicians can't really be deplatformed, and they can't be this and they can't be that. But it's like a barely decentralized. Like it's because we know now, like the only thing decentralized about it is it like holds access to something on IPFS, IPFS, which is cool. Um, but it's not decentralized. It's basically <laughs> running on like uh, Amazon cloud services, and it's like mm, we're almost there, but we're not even close. And uh, but the thing is, is that it's pitching itself as you know built with blockchain tech. And very openly and publicly, and, and no one's shutting it down. It's on Apple. It's got millions of downloads, and they're getting 150,000 new users a month. Like, they're growing, and, like, major artists like Masago are using Audius, and they're like, yeah, I love it. It's smooth. It's sweet. It works. And nobody knows that Audius is like, hmm, we're going to turn it into a cryptocurrency as soon as we get enough users. And I'm like, that's not how any of this is supposed to go, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're shipping something and they're using some principles. Yeah, there's an interesting debate to be had about, you know, how decentralized is is your goal. And, and so there's some folks I know who they will do anything to go for this decentralized, no government, full an- crypto anarchy. But it's, I, I just don't think it's reasonable to ask 7 trillion people, how many we got, billion? However many people we got to, to do mm-hmm. that, like just the math. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting my trillions and billions confused. But I, I think it's a lot to ask of people. And, you know, as somebody in the space who I'm relatively intelligent and tech capable, like it's hard for me to get my mind around some of these things, let alone convincing uh, the GPP, if you will. But we can we can get some of the way there and we can do some of the things better and we can you know, increase privacy and some autonomy and then give people the option. Yeah. Oh, you want to go full... You want to go full decentralized? All right, come on over here. Did Let's you say that like, with the Jamaican? Oh, you want to go full decentralized? <laughs> I don't think I do. Uh, that's that's my natural. That's just my ethnic heritage coming out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you say you want to go full decentralized, man? Come on over. How many nodes you got? How many nodes, <laughs> how many nodes you got? How many nodes you want? Um, you want some hash power? Yeah. Hash power. You're looking for hash power? Are you gonna do proof of sticks? How much stick you got? Um. Anyway, uh, uh, what was I talking about? One, I apologize to the entire island of Jamaica and the rest of the islands that speak with that accent. Um, that's offensive, and I know that. Um, audience, gotta say it is. Audience is a good product, yeah, man. and they do more than just decentralize your passwords. They decentralize, they decentralize the audio itself. Audio is tiny now. It used to be large. Like when I was a kid, rocking my 56K modem, like downloading another song was like, man, I can't wait till I get that damn song tomorrow. <laughs> it's that was be- part of the... Part of the fun of Napster yep. was like watching it download. Like, all right, I'm at seventeen percent. Yep, eighteen percent. Yeah, I'm gonna go get something. To eat. Go watch come a movie back and come 20. back. Seventy-two <laughs> percent. <laughs> this track, this single track. Yeah. Um. So, so audience, a great example. 
you know, there's there's also a thing happening where with project shipping where there's a, a gestalt. There's like something in the air around a particular type of project. So um, what I'm thinking of, I'm, I've been paying attention to Handshake lately. It's about you know domain name registry and and uh, put, putting some of that on blockchain. And uh, but then there's also ENS that's really popular. There's unstoppable domains, and then there's a one on Cosmos that's coming on out. Um, they're they're IOV and they have a star name as their thing. But like when when these projects come live, they kind of come live together. It's that competitive market. It, it's capitalism, like true capitalism. Like oh, they got their product to market. We got to differentiate and ship now. And that's starting to happen. That's really coming to a head um, uh, on some of these projects, which I think is incredibly bullish and, and, and valuable for, especially for crypto, but tech in general, um, to, to see those things happen. You know, I'm going to put something here, Andy, and you let me know if I'm crazy or not, and then we'll cut to the interview. You're I crazy. think a, well, of course I'm crazy. I'm, 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 of course. Uh, but... I think that a crypto company needs to be brazen enough to try and brand a either an existing symbol on the keyboard or a new symbol that they can add to a keyboard that basically signifies the path that crypto takes. Like for the ENS stuff, it's cool. I can go get Fergalati.eth and it's, it's dope. And that's my money address for all intents and purposes. If I want people to know it, like just like my email address, I've given that out millions of times, thousands of times. But when it comes to like, did you just like throw your head back? Like, yeah, probably giving my email out address a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, not the, um, not the like big one. Like I have several different ones. Like, hey, you want a free T-shirt? Sure. Here's my fake one, and then I get the free T-shirt. <laughs> like, and then. Oh wait, that's not smart to do either. Am I so bad for I, OPSEC? I don't want to. I don't want to get down a, a rabbit hole, but I've been studying um, KYC uh, processes, global KYC, and like oh, what shit. what information companies and banks need to collect according to regulations. Myself? Everyone, there's no secrets. You've been giving your email out unintentionally millions of times, but everyone has. Like there's there's no secrets. It's really hard. To keep your information away from these folks. So, so I think when you say millions, like, yeah, you probably have unintentionally. Damn. Your emails are just out no. there. Damn, 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 damn. Mm. But Sorry, what anyway, I'm saying a, is. A company needs to be brazen enough. Yeah, brazen enough to brand, like, for example, like, email did it without knowing it was doing it. The at symbol. People didn't know. People didn't give a shit about the at symbol on the keyboard at all until email became like a thing and they're like oh i need this all the time and now you see what's happened with the at symbol it's just you at people it's in mm -hmm. any email thing if you use outlook and you add somebody it brings up their email account if you're in a chat group and you add somebody it brings up their name cool we get that that's for names but for crypto for money addresses let's put that in quotation there needs to be a symbol either on the keyboard or something that physically makes people change because when you make people change their physical existence, it changes how they think about something. And that changed how people thought about it. That little itty bitty maneuver of like, what's that little at symbol? I've got to pay attention to that now. Trickled out into what we have now where everybody has an email and email is how you kind of identify yourself. With money, there needs to be like a money button. And not the dollar symbol like the fucking those things. Like something that's crypto original. I got that it. We just take. What's that? 
okay, okay, R- ride with me here. So we need, it's like a, a, a MFA, biometric authentication. You want to okay. send a message with crypto, you got to like put your fingerprint on, but you want it to be original. So we're, you're going to make it the belly button. You're going to have to uh, put your finger <laughs> on your belly button, <laughs> tap a little go button, and it's a button. You just said it. And then everyone's, you're changing your physical habit. That's my money button. That's my money button. (laughs) That's it right there. We changed the whole thing. You got got an Indy or an Audi. When it comes to tech stuff, man, (laughs) what Apple gets that people don't get is that you have to change people's physical interaction with their thing. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And, And I think projects are starting to do that. And so Starname, for example, they're using the star, the asterisk, as part oh, of that. There we go. That symbol. See, uh, ENS or Handshake, at least, is using the slash. Uh, I don't know if it's backslash or forward slash because I, I don't know. Forward goes um, to the right. Uh, back goes to the left. I think. Uh, whatever. I'm, yeah. I believe you. Um, and, and so, so they're starting to do that, and, and then what I also think is they're starting to do is is just to meme that a little bit to make that something that is visual and recognized and understood as as a memeable thing, like the app for Twitter or mm-hmm. for Gmail or for whatever. Mm-hmm. And now you can go on any platform. I was just on Medium. I'm like, can I tag people at that? Oh, you just totally tag other authors, whoever you want on, on yeah. Medium. And, and it works that way um, because now it, it's been memed. It's just part of our uh, vocabulary. So I, I totally uh, um, agree with you there. It goes back to you know user experience and, and how crypto is still developing, Web3 is still developing. What are the user experiences? What are their journeys? And we, yeah, we need design. We need things to look pretty, but no, they need to flow throughout a system mm-hmm. very well. And and that work is being done, but it's not super well funded yet, in in my view, to go cross platform. Crypto, so we'll you see. need a symbol, man. So everything will be IRE. So <laughs> belly button, money button, the money button. So I think what we'll do now is wrap this round table. We'll go into the interview. Today's interview was with a gentleman named Bryce Gilliland. Gilliland, shit. Mm, I'm sorry, Bryce. He's the CEO of Coincident Capital. And it's basically what we were talking to at the front of this episode, a hedge fund. Um, And they are a crypto hedge fund. And they currently have a 60%, a little over 60% win ratio since 2017. So I think what he's trying to do and he can write me an email and give me the middle finger if I try and uh, 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 try and figure it out. But he's successfully, um, let's say, cha-cha slide. He's cha-cha slid through a bear market. And now he is trying to build his base of funding so that he can hopefully successfully cha-cha slide his way up in a bull market, which should be coming soon. Now turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah. Two times now, y'all. He's trying to get it right twice. <laughs> Not to the left. Yeah. Not to the right. Yeah. Now we go up. Yeah. Up to the right. Up to the right. So he's... there we go. All right. All right. So next crypto wedding we go to, we got to cover Cha Cha yeah. Slide. It's going to be crypto slide. Yeah. Uh, damn. That's, that, that would be fun. I want to make up the lyrics too. But, um, <laughs> this is the interview with Bryce. Um, here it is. Hello, hello. 
it's uh, another one of the Bitcoin podcast interviews. Uh, I was directed shortly before this interview by Corey to not start it with what's up, what's up, what's up, because that is from BitConnect. So we're not going to do that. But uh, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Bryce. I'm going to get this wrong, but please don't crucify me. Bryce. No, go for it. Gilliland. Yeah, that's that's pretty close. Bryce Gilliland. Um, we also joke that we don't even know how to say it in our family. So. <laughs> From the land of Gil. Gilla. Yes. Okay. Um, the CEO of, of CoinCap. Or coincident capital, mm-hmm. um, but we like to let our guests introduce themselves. So, without further ado, give it a rip, man. The stage is yours. Who are you, and how did you get into crypto? All right, thanks. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, I don't know if this is your 300th episode, but it feels like it's getting close. So that's Real pretty close. big, big thing happening. Uh, how did I get into crypto? So it kind of starts with our company where Wenho, he's our trading guru, and then Sunil Shah, another good friend of ours, we're all good buddies from college. Uh, Wen started a company about four years ago, 2016, where he was uh, helping to trade crypto for some of his friends and family, and we've always been you know, good buddies of him. We have chats where we talk about finances and interest rates, you know, all that really exciting stuff. Uh, and so when he started this, we're like, yeah, let's, let's get in, let's see what it is. We don't exactly know what it is. And then he was doing that for a couple of years and we saw kind of a bigger business opportunity working with him. So a couple of years ago, Sunil and I partnered with him and expanded the company and started, you know, trading for more people, more friends and family. And then, you know, fast forward to the end of last year and we said, Hey, you know, the next step in this evolution is we start a hedge fund and we see, you know, how much farther we can go with this because we've had some really good success for friends and family. And we'd like to keep doing that and do it at a bigger scale. So that's how we all ended up here. And the crypto space is so interesting. I feel like there's so many positive things that it can bring to the world that it's nice to feel like you're a part of that uh, ecosphere. Ecosphere or like, what is it? The crypto sphere, the cryptoverse. Mm. So what's the silver bullet, man? How did you get your family to trust you with their money <laughs> in regards to investing in crypto? Yeah, I think... You got to be very cautious with crypto, which almost sounds like an impossible task. Um, but we are pretty cautious with the downside of crypto. We're, you know, we're traders, so we go in and out. Um, that means our longest trade is usually a few months. Our shortest, maybe an intraday trade. Uh, but you have a couple members have some success in the family um, or with friends, and then you can share that. You can share, hey, we have a, you know, we have an actual pattern for this it's called technical analysis, uh, quantity methodologies and they even though they may not fully understand that they can see the results and you kind of slowly build that but it's a lot of trust that it takes to have people get in the space it's important that you said that like it's got to be about results it has to be because if not well the thing is is that like it depends on the time scale right like if i were to sell my results in comparison to the end of 2017 People would think like, oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But it's all how do I guess what I'm asking here is, do you have like regularly scheduled performance so that you could relay to your 
customers slash family slash friends that are showing these bona fide results? Yeah, so we generally do quarterly statements to our customers. We try to have quarterly newsletters out to them, and then we also do a more rigorous annual review. And that's where, you know, we say kind of where, where we think the market's going um, and then, you know, what we've done so far. And we have a variety of strategies. So that's allowed us to be successful both during the downturns and, of course, on the really positive, you know, upswings, those big bull runs that it's had, like especially 2017. You got um, you got experience in the uh, regular regular money hedge fund game, right? Uh, so we all have traded on our own, but none of us came from finance in particular. I did corporate finance. I did investor relations at Fortune 500 companies. Um, when has been trading, he was a day trader for four or five years before he got into Bitcoin in around 2014. And then Sunil is also um, pretty versed in finance. So all of us have that experience, but none of us have that kind of like Wall Street hedge fund experience, which is something, you know, we're, we're learning, but we're also happy that we can, we can do this without having that more formal experience. It could be a plus, you know, it could yeah. be a plus that, you know, you don't necessarily have that experience. So you're not like confined to what would be quote unquote considered good strategy uh for that environment because crypto's fucking crazy as you know <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah. you can't really approach it in the box yeah, so i'm the swings the volatility that you get in crypto you know up 10 percent one day down 20 percent sometime in the next few weeks up 30 percent after that you know that's not an irregular thing and being able to ride through that and know the crypto space is something that a lot a lot of people with more formal trading backgrounds wouldn't do as much. You know, they have their very strict exit plans. Like, oh, as soon as it drops two percent, I, I, you know, take fifty percent of my position off. As soon as it drops five percent, I take the other rest of my position off. And if you did that in crypto, you'd get shaken out all the time. You know, we call it weekends uh, when you when you get out of your position as soon as you see it losing. And that's something we feel like we've come to kind of terms with in the space. And we don't always win on our trades, of course. But knowing that this volatility is a part of it, and if you're judging the medium or longer term pattern right, you can ride it out. It's something that's really been a benefit for us. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a little bit of the wild wild rest, a wild ride. So when when people think about hedge hedging, or they typically don't like your average Joe, soccer dad, soccer mom, is not thinking about hedging anything. They're, <laughs> they're not, but. When I think about hedging, I think, hey, this is something that's going to anchor my value, right? Like it's, gonna, you know, when one of my investments is going down. Hopefully this one will be going up. And so when something is as volatile as crypto is, how have you been selling it successfully as a hedge? Yeah, so. With hedging, um, yeah, I love, I love your soccer mom, soccer dad comment. They're, they're, most of them aren't thinking about that. With hedging, we look at Bitcoin itself as an asset class, as a hedge. For a lot of investors, finding, um, finding assets that are differentiated and uncorrelated is paramount to really long-term financial success. So Bridgewater Partners, Bridgewater Associates, they try to get 12 different non-correlated asset classes for their investors to maximize long-term returns. And Bitcoin has the lowest correlation with any asset class out there. 
And so we see Bitcoin itself as a good hedge against others. Um, so that's one important thing that a lot of people don't see. And then the second part of that is that, you know, if you've invested in Bitcoin in a lot of the time periods over the last six or eight years, you've had the top performing asset class. So yes, it's extremely volatile, but it also outperforms almost every other asset class over the last six or 10 years. And there's, of course, timing issues. Like if you got in at the end of 2017, when it was at near 20K for Bitcoin, you're down now. There's there's no doubt. If you got in last year during the Libra hype and it went up to 14K, again, you're probably down now. But if you got in at other times or if you know to trade smartly in and out, then you can use this asset class really to your huge advantage. So what would you say to the likes of Mr. Warren Buffett, who at least on a bi-monthly basis has some sort of shit to talk about. That's the thing I don't get about Buffett. Because it's like you're very wealthy, man. Just 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 shut up a little bit. Like let <laughs> let other people get it, give it a shot. But he likes to talk up a lot. So do you think that this this asset class that you use to hedge so successfully with has value? Like let's get a little philosophical with it. Uh, I think it has value. Um, the little, the little bit I've heard in space, like if you're a true believer, you think you know Bitcoin's going to add value, whether it's a store of wealth, like a gold equivalent, um, or whether it's transactions, cross-border transactions, and more of a global um, money tool, um, or whether it's you know the first phase of that and then something comes and replaces it later. I think blockchain and cryptocurrencies have a lot of innate value to them that we're seeing more and more of in the world. Um, and we're seeing, you know, as we get to payment applications and as we get to like stabilizing foreign economies, you're seeing some really cool benefits from it. So I think there's that. Um, and I, you know, I love Warren Buffett. I've read, I think I've read his biography, read a bunch of his reports. You know, if you, if you have a million dollars, he'd say invest in an index fund. And I do hold some in index funds. Um, but I think crypto is, you know, a next stage of uh, investing, a next stage of evolution of technology and interaction. For currency and so i think he's not seeing that as much and it's just the next stage in development he's done so well with what he's done that you can't deny really anything he says or his belief but this isn't a stage that he's looking at and i think he's also known for not looking at tech companies as much so you know to each his own yeah that's true a lot of people don't understand just like how far behind a lot of the world is with payments like in china you don't pay with cash everybody pays with wechat Nobody's yeah, no with cash. Yeah, I went over. I was in China traveling with Wen, and I I have you know Visa cards because Visa it's everywhere you want to be. Uh, it's not in China, you know. <laughs> and so I ended up like, Hey Wen, can uh can you buy me that drink? Hey Wen, can you buy me this thing or that? Because it was just he had WeChat and it was so simple and easy and it was so cool to see the system. But if you can't participate in the system, you you're left behind. Yeah. On the same end, that's really scary because this whole social currency thing that they're doing, and if your social currency ties to your WeChat bank account, it's over. It's that's I will I will never even go anywhere near China if that ends up happening. That's like nobody wants that. But yeah, that social currency thing is a trip. I'm very curious how that plays out, and happy to not be part of that experiment. Oh yeah, I think we know how that's going to play out. But let's just let's just sit back and watch. Um, have you ever seen RoboCop? This is gonna be off the wall question. I, I love it. Uh, yes, I've seen RoboCop. 
I, I do enjoy that movie. Are you familiar that like your logo looks a little bit like OCP logo? Oh wow! Cop. I didn't. I did not realize that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure I bring that back. If you squint, the, just buddies. take a look at it. Just say, but that's okay. RoboCop's like a cult classic, anyways. Nobody gives a shit about RoboCop. Quite awesome. <laughs> anyways, nice. um, let's talk horror stories. So, if you're if you've got the confidence to run a hedge fund with over eight million in assets um, under its management, then that means to me. That you've probably had a failure or two trading crypto. Um, and if you haven't, then please write a book and you and me, I'll go on tour with you. But what's what's your most glorious failure in trading crypto? Like what's one like what's your biggest dollar amount that you took on the chin or the biggest lesson that you've learned since managing the farm? Yeah, um, we do feel very proud of our track record. We have a about a 66, 67% uh, success rate on our trades, which is phenomenal. You know, like mm-hmm. if you could go to the poker table and say, hey, I win two thirds of every hand, well, then you're going to walk away very successful at the end of the night. Um, but that means we lose a third of the hands too. And so mm-hmm. I'd say, um, you know, we were, we were looking at the 2017 bull run and just, you couldn't lose money. You know, if you put money in, it might double in a day. I think, I think it went from 10K to 20K in like a three to four week period. That's just insanity. Uh, but then, you know, it falls hard after that. And so when it was on its decline, we tried to catch a couple bounces. And that's a, a risky proposition, but, you know, it can pay off really well. And I think we, we caught one bounce. And instead of catching it on the upswing, we caught it right at the top. And then it dropped, I would say, you know, we took like a 15% loss on that trade, which is a very big loss for you mm-hmm. know, your kind of portfolio of assets. And so we, you know, we were just looking at that and saying, hey, we got to make sure these next few trades pan out well. So, you know, you decrease your position size to de-risk um, to make sure you're maintaining a lot of your uh, capital. And then we, you know, we were able to come back from that, but it wasn't the best time when, you know, everyone's on this euphoric high from, you know, making money and you couldn't lose to seeing the downturn and then catching a little bit of that. Uh, so a lot of emotional management in there for ourselves, uh, but also for our clients and friends and family, you know, you never, you never want to go to someone without having good news and you especially don't want to go with bad news. So that was definitely taking it on the chin, as you mm-hmm. say. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's hard to deliver that bad news too, but there's one old saying, that groups me is like the the tougher something is to say the quicker you need to say it and uh, so like you know, just rip the band-aid we lost your money but not all of it so <laughs> yeah so yeah no, i like that phrase um yeah. yeah yeah it's we lost your money not all of it and we're gonna make it back yeah, yeah man so, we always try to do so when it comes to that end um do you guys have a pretty traditional structure when it comes to the fees Two and twenty, I think it is. It's been a while since I looked into that kind of thing, but it's like yeah, yeah. Go so ahead. I'll I mean, let you explain. You're the expert. Go for oh, it. Well, it sounds like you know more than enough on that. Um, two and twenty is the typical hedge fund fee. That's some people would say that's what a hedge fund is. It's two and twenty, and you know, for any of the listeners out there who don't know, two is the management fee. So that's two percent of the capital you put in. We would take 
initially. So if you put in like $100, we take $2. And then 20 is a percentage of the performance fee. So if we turned your $100 into 120, we would take 20% of that or $4. Um, we operate in a slightly different manner in that we do a 0-30. So we like to say, you know, we win when you win. And so we don't take anything off the top. So all your money goes in, works for you. And then we take 30% of the profits uh, from that, which is a little steeper. But then if you look at our returns, um, it's actually very positive. And it's kind of a weird phrase, but you know, if you ended up with more money at the end of the day than when you started, it's almost as if you're getting paid and you're not paying someone. So it's a it's like an interesting little mental flip that I think some people have to do because so many of us get caught in low fees are what's important and low fees will help you gain more, but you know, really high performance will outdo those. Damn, zero and thirty, not even like a point zero zero one and thirty, <laughs> just just like straight up nothing or thirty. Yeah, I mean, we feel like it's it really aligns with customers. You know, like we're not going to take anything unless we benefited you. Uh, we feel really, really confident and really good doing that. And it really makes it so it's like we're, you know, we have skin in the game. We have our own financial skin in the game, of course, but also operationally working for them. Mm. So taking risks like that probably has led to why you guys have placed in the top 10 of the most profitable accounts on BitMEX, which is risky to even be on BitMEX. And when I say BitMEX, I get goosebumps a little bit just as like man that's a lot of leverage going on over there but yeah how BitMEX. Are you guys swimming through that chaos of bitmex i mean bitmex is the largest bitcoin derivatives market on the planet so it's kind of like if you want to play in the space and if you want to play big in the space it's a good place to be mm. uh there are the the funny coffee mugs where you know it's like BitMEX 100x or bust or like 100 times leverage or bust. Um, we definitely don't prescribe to those kind of styles. We usually do, you know, one to two x leverage at most, but we love the liquidity of BitMEX. It means there's more trading options on there. There's bigger players on there. And so it fits with our style. Uh, we don't take advantage of the, you know, 100x leverage potential that's uh, not our type <laughs> no, of safety. That's not what you do. <laughs> He said, I know you don't want to roll the dice, but we'll roll the dice for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you want to do. Um, that's that's kind of all. I, I guess if, if this isn't too intrusive, I mean, how do you guys operate with 0%? It's got, I mean, that's a huge bet. Just you guys, um, you got to run all your operations on your money out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And then if you if you hit it, then it's good. So that's that's pretty much the gamble you're taking, right? Just as a business. Yeah, I think we're we are really big on taking very calculated risk, and I think it's a theme that we try to bring not just to you know our trading strategy, which is all about calculated risks, but to our lives and how we're approaching them. So you know, starting up a hedge fund, there's a fair amount of finance in that, getting all the work done, convincing people to take risks with us. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the kind of zero and 30 is in line with that, where it's like, look, we're willing to take a risk and we're willing to pay for stuff up front because we have a lot of faith and believe that the belief in this. And, you know, that's kind of our trust level with ourselves. And we hope that that comes across to a lot of our friends and family and customers. And it's a different style of trading. It's a different approach to investing. Um, 
but it's again, it's like a theme. And I feel like people in general have themes to how they live their lives. And a lot of us want to chase dreams and it means taking risks. And so this is just another one of those risks. I like it, man. Let's do let's do some role playing here. Not <laughs> not right. that kind, but like let's, <laughs> all right. All right, so <laughs> We're in a high-rise building. We're in Dubai. Big-ass building. Tall. Many floors. We're in the top floors. I, Black Bezos, walk into the elevator. You're like, what's up, Black Bezos? I'm like, what's up, man? I don't know how you knew my nickname. <laughs> and we're <laughs> we're going down the elevator. And you're like, shit, it's Black Bezos. I got to let him know what I do. And hopefully he'll want to throw some ducats at me. I mean, if you could throw $10 billion at climate change, a.k.a. $10 billion at hiding my fucking money so I don't have to pay taxes, then he could definitely throw me some milli in my hedge fund. All right, that's the situation. And boom, I just walked on the elevator. Yeah, I will. I would ask, you know, Black Bezos, what do you how do you feel about risk and how do you feel about the risk you've taken in your life? And. Try to, I don't know, are we, am I just asking you directly here? Or, uh, or am I going to play out what you, pretend like I, I got a response? Well, you know I take risks because I wear sleeveless shirts with vests in summertime. <laughs> that, that is a risk beyond what I would do, but I also take risks, sir. And we have an amazing opportunity for you here where we think we're on the cutting edge of technology and global currency change. And we're also on the cutting edge of how to advantage, uh, how to gain for ourselves and for our partners in terms of monetarily through this. You know, we see a very volatile but profitable market, and we've got a great six-year track record of how we perform here. So I'd love to tell you more about it at some point in time, or just talk to you about Bitcoin and where we're seeing technology go. Mm, Bitcoin, huh? Bitcoin, that's kind of risky. What's your win rate there? You're trading it. What's your win rate? We, we traded about two-thirds win rate, which we feel really confident about. I don't think you could sit down at any gambling table in Vegas and try to get that kind of win rate. Um, so I think, it's a, I think it's a great opportunity. Okay. We're on floor five here, so I'll tell you what. I just gave $10 billion to climate change because, I don't know, my accountant told me to. Here's my accountant's card. Why? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. I like it, man. Like, well, one, I like that you can confidently stick behind that two third win rate, um, which like that's good odds. If you guys listening don't understand odds, those are good. Just take it. Take it from me. Um, so I guess is what kind of pro- is this a kind of like an open source project? What I mean by that is not like technically open source. I mean, if you guys do have a GitHub. I guarantee that's a great plus for this space. But can if someone listening to this interview is like, you know what? I think I have some skills. I, I can do a little bit of, of the data science. I can do a little bit of the software engineering. Maybe I can help them out. How would they find you guys? So we are on Twitter as Quincent Capital. And we do post uh, semi-frequently on there um, with that. And so I think that's one way to get in touch with us. And then we also love the Twitter space. There's a lot of traders on there. There's a lot of crypto traders on there and they have a lot of really interesting things to say and a lot of charts to read where, you know, we're chart readers. Um, and so we think that's a great way to like get involved or build your skill in the space or just network in the space. Um, that's really neat. And we also have a website, but really Twitter is, a, I'd say the best way to 
get in touch with the space and test your skills out or make some friends. Uh, and then other ways are just going to meetups. You know, any kind of Bitcoin meetup uh, or crypto meetup is really interesting. And that's how so many people met in the space. Mm. I think all of us met electronically at first, unless you were already friends with the person um, before we met in person. But it's always cool to put a face to a name and you know, shake a hand. I do like that moment in crypto when you go to like a conference and you see the guy that you've been looking at only his profile picture for like three months. And you're like, oh, shit, that's uh, what's his name? Crypto Jeffrey or whatever. But anyways, uh, here's a two part question for you. Who's right. the worst personality on crypto Twitter and who's the worst trader on crypto Twitter? Boom, you're in the hot seat. Oh, what? Um, I don't, you know, I love everyone. So <laughs> no, you don't. I, don't lie. I, There's somebody I mean, you just can't okay. stand. Maybe I don't love everyone, but uh, I would say um, anyone who's not a big fan of Bitcoin uh, or, you know, blockchain in general is someone who I'm not the biggest fan of, or I think like, hey, you know, your mind is like a parachute, it works best when open, uh, be open to those possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the, the biggest thing. It's just like staying curious and staying open. So those are the people I'd want to listen to more of. Worst trader, go. Worst, we we <laughs> we don't keep tabs on that. Um, I would, I really can't say we have a worst trader. Also, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't if I could. You know, um, yeah, you know, some people do better than others. That's all there is yeah. to it. I lean towards Tone Vase, but he probably has a lot more money than I do, so I can't really say any, say much about him. But sometimes he <laughs> says things that are quite questionable and then they end up being definitely questionable in past tense and i'm like damn vase yeah I, you need to do I that shit to... in private <laughs> anyways go ahead go ahead yeah I, I mean i feel like there's a good amount of hey i got lucky because i heard about bitcoin in 2015 and i put in you know ten dollars and holy crap i made a lot of money there's a lot of that in the space which isn't you know, you don't have the firm technical knowledge. You don't have a really quality system in place, but you rode a rocket ship and guess what? You, you got into space. Um, so there's a fair amount of that. I also wonder, you know, how many people are out there and are saying stuff on Twitter just because it's ostentatious. It's getting attention and they like that or they know it's good for, you know, good for having a good talk or getting a lot of retweets or comments, you know, so I'm never fully certain of what people are saying is is absolutely what they believe or just kind of what they're putting out there. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. That last statement, crypto Twitter seems like a lot of people trying to get that old clout. But uh, anyways, we've got one last trademark question for you. I hope you're ready for it. I hope you're prepared. All right. In 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Okay, so I, I practiced for this, and these aren't part of my tent, I hope. Um, but distributed, transparent database, power to the people, here's to the future. Ooh. I, if, if I take out one of those articles, like if I take out the, I think you squeeze under there. I think you squeeze, yeah, so you squeeze right under there. Let's go to the future, Yeah. <laughs> I can dig it, man. Well, hey, Bryce, I wish you very much luck. Um, I know it's very high pressure, but you sound like uh, you're you're definitely surfing that pressure very well. 
especially when it comes to friends and family, because I get like daily texts sometimes and I'm like, look, you don't put down your damn cell phone and stop looking at the price. Like, <laughs> leave me be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my hat's off to you. And I hope that you have continued success and, and joining in it. I think you hit the timing in the market very well. starting this in 2019 um, because I feel like you'll have a lot of success coming up. So. We're hoping. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Really pleasure to meet you and love listening to your show. I, also, I really love the new intro music. So yeah. Cool. You like that? Oh, thank yeah, you. Man. It's great. It's sick. That was a drunken decision by one Dr. Corey Petty. <laughs> All right, and well, good. I also good happen to be drunk across the country. And I was like, I actually <laughs> love it. We're, the fuck, we're fucking doing it. So. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very much. All right. Nice. Have a good one.